This is an ABC podcast. Hello, welcome to Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday the 29th of October. So Norman, it's really heartening to see in Australia that our local outbreaks are really coming down to really, really low levels, but the case numbers each day are still high, and that's partly because of returned travellers. So people who are coming back to Australia from other countries, many of which have quite large outbreaks of coronavirus happening there. We know that last time the big outbreak in Victoria happened from an escape from hotel quarantine and the New South Wales Health Minister Brad Hazard has indicated that he's worried about um, the potential for something like that to happen again. How likely is that scenario? And the Health Minister New South Wales is also worried about the resource implications. I mean, we said before that a few weeks ago, um, I got information from the Royal Prince Alfred that 90 nursing shifts a week were being used at that point for hotel quarantine. And that's before we upped the ante, trying to get 30,000 Australians back before Christmas. And as you say, coming from high prevalence countries. So the risk has gone up as the second wave in Europe has gone up. So the risk to us of returning Australians has gone up as well in proportion. And so we're going to see more people coming back who are positive. And we want expanded facilities. So it's fantastic that we've got this facility, the Howard Springs facility in the Northern Territory, which apparently can be expanded, but it can take about a thousand people a fortnight. That's not going to get you there in terms of Christmas and getting all these people back. And it requires medical resources so that people who are arriving back who might be sick, and in fact, there are people arriving back who are sick, and it's one reason why they want to come back to get medical care in Australia. And that was the other implication for Royal Prince Alfred is that some people were coming out of hotel quarantine to come into hospital to, for surgery and other things, nothing to do with COVID-19 because they were just sick and they needed help and they're entitled to it. So the question then is how do you scale and what do you do? And the government did a report, has a report on this and you can take a risk approach, which is that you um, say, well, if you're coming back from Britain or Italy or France, then that's high risk and we go into high risk facilities. But if you're coming from China or Singapore, assuming you haven't, you're not in transit in Singapore, that you've been in Singapore for a while, obviously New Zealand and other bubble countries, then we maybe have a light touch. You can quarantine at home. We can do ankle bracelets. You allow the authorities to track, geo-track geo you on your phone. So those are the sorts of things that we can do. But they're, they've all got risk attached to them and we're just going to have to be really careful because we're all rejoicing at Victoria opening up and through the fault of nobody, just the pressure of positive cases coming back, we could be at significant risk of some cluster outbreaks. So we've got the Howard Springs facility in the Northern Territory, which is great. And elsewhere in Australia, it's mostly been done in hotels, which are really useful for quarantine, but they're not purpose built for it. Do we need to be thinking more about like the along the lines of the old quarantine stations that we used to have a century ago? Well, yes, and I can't imagine that the government's not thinking about that. So we have these quarantine stations, the two that I know best are the ones, the one in the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria and the one on Southhead in New South Wales. And they were designed for exactly this purpose in the 19th century and early 20th century. Ships coming back from overseas, which might have had smallpox on them or infections that they didn't fully understand, people went to the quarantine station and stayed there for a while until it was sorted out. You know, they could be repurposed. They're not very big, really, in terms of numbers of people that you could take them. There are army camps. There are other things that you could do. But it's where you might be geographically isolated, it's hard for people to get away from them, but you could be looked after humanely in reasonable comfort. 
while you're quarantining, in addition to using home quarantine when it's much safer to do so. You know, and I think that you can look on this as a national project. We want Australians to come home and we've got to find ways of doing it. So let's take some questions from the audience. And Grace is writing to us from Melbourne and saying, like everyone else in Melbourne, she's so excited to be coming out of lockdown. But after that initial euphoria of the announcement, uh, she's been feeling absolutely exhausted. She really wants to get out of the house and appreciate the not locked downness of it all. But she also feels really worn out just thinking about it. Do we have any advice for her? Grace, I think reading between the lines, your your mood is pretty low. And when you say exhausted, I'm just assuming this for the moment, so forgive me, Grace, if I'm entirely wrong here, but you know, reading between the lines, saying you're exhausted, you're, you're really not sure about going out, it's probably a mixture of low mood, maybe even depression and a bit of anxiety. And it's entirely understandable that what, why should suddenly you feel elated when you've been feeling low for several weeks because you've been in lockdown and just coping with that? And it's, it's like you know, people who get out of prison and they think, oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to get out of prison. And then they're lost when they get out of prison. And prisoners are well known. There's a well-known phenomenon amongst prisoners that they actually feel really anxious when that door opens and they're not sure in the end that they, they do want to leave. And that, that's the sort of situation that you're in. So you've got to find out, Grace, whether or not you have clinical depression and whether that needs to be handled between you and your GP and there are ways of finding out whether you've got that, simple questionnaires and so on. And for anybody listening, it's, it's things like, are you feeling low? Are you, have you lost enjoyment in life? I'm, I'm, I haven't got it in front of me in terms of the questionnaire. In other words, you don't want to do the things you used to do before that give you pleasure. There's a whole, there's a series of questions that are pretty good ascertaining whether you're just not enjoying life anymore and you're feeling pretty low and you're not feeling pretty, very good about yourself. And that's crossed into clinical depression. What you need in that situation is an experienced psychologist to do some cognitive behavioural therapy with you to talk through how you're thinking about things, how rational your thought processes are, and trying to readjust your thinking so that you feel happier and more able and stronger to get out. You know, and if that doesn't help, you've really got bad clinical depression, you may need some medication. But the first-line therapy with psychologists is really very effective and good. The Beyond Blue COVID helpline is 1-800-512-348. 1-800-512-348. So it's no surprise, Grace, that you and I'm sure many other people are just feeling low, not highly motivated to do stuff you've done before, and a bit anxious as well. And you, do, you just need some help to get back out into things. Absolutely. And we've got a question from Carol Norman about something that you've said a few times that hasn't quite sort of come through properly for Carol, and I suspect other people as well. You've said something along the lines of the threshold for the vaccines that are in the pipeline to be approved is that they're not necessarily effective at preventing infection, but effective against getting the disease. This makes no sense to Carol. How could you get the COVID-19 disease but not get the infection? Can you explain yourself? And Carol also says that's crazy. So it does sound a bit crazy, Carol, but let me explain. 
It's very hard to prevent a respiratory virus getting into your body in the first place. Being immunized so that your nose and your throat and your mouth and your eyes are protected like a physical barrier, you know, almost like a, an immunological mask over your face so that the virus doesn't get into your body in the first place. It's quite hard to design a vaccine that will do that. Not impossible, and it may well be that some of the vaccines that we've got at the moment will do that. So the, the assumption they've made is that the virus may, imagine it like a battle where um, you let the soldiers of the opposite army get into your defence line, but once in the defence line you surround them and attack, so it's like an ambush. And in a sense that's what the uh, vaccines are designed to do. They're designed to, uh, you know, if, if the infection gets in, they actually ambush the virus and get rid of it so that the virus doesn't multiply and get into the rest of your body to cause the disease. Uh, so the criterion for being approved is, is the vaccine effective at stopping people getting the disease, not at becoming a case? So you could become a case by testing, I'm positive for the COVID-19 virus, but that if you've immunized, you don't get the disease which is a pretty good outcome, and it means that we can still get out and relax much more about COVID-19 because the vaccine prevents the disease that's going to kill you. So it's not a bad outcome, but it may well be that you're still infected, just using that analogy of the, of the ambush. And 50% effective means that only one in two people who are immunized get that result. Other people are not protected. And such a vaccine will be approved by the authorities in the first round. Hopefully the second round of vaccines are much better than that. And just to say that tomorrow on Coronacast we're going to have a vaccine expert, I hope, on to talk about just these sorts of issues. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. If you want to ask a question, please do. We will love your questions. Send one in to abc.net.au slash coronacast and click ask a question and mention Coronacast so we can find it. You can also leave a comment if you think Norman's got anything else wrong. Um, I love putting those questions to him. And please also do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. We'll see you tomorrow. See you then.